What critical documents on the assassination of John F. Kennedy that Biden was expected to release last year were kept hidden from the view of the public, and why? What area of research in particular is being pursued by today's investigators? Why is Lyndon Baines Johnson highlighted as a person of interest in the plot to kill JFK? What stands out today, nearly 60 years later, as the most critical evidence of a concentrated cover-up of the infamous assassination of a beloved president? This week on the Global Research News Hour, we are marking the 60th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination with two outstanding guests who have probed one of the most talked about moments in American history. In our first half hour, we speak with Jeremy Kuzmarov of Covert Action Magazine about the current state of affairs in the JFK assassination and what we have learned after six decades of research and sabotage of the facts. Then in our second half hour, we are joined by Philip F. Nelson, a GFK researcher who will outline the facts surrounding his Vice President Lyndon Baines Johnson as to his guilt in the affair and where researchers and activists of the current age should be devoting their attention in getting at the culprits of this great tragedy. On this week's program, JFK 60 Years After His Death Part 1 the CIA, the case against LBJ, and beyond. Bringing you the analysis beyond the media headlines, the Global Research News Hour is on the air. Welcome to the Global Research News Hour for the week of November 17, 2023. The program is funded by the Center for Research on Globalization and produced in collaboration with campus community radio station CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg. I'm your host, Michael Welch. The show seeks to provide listeners with access to analysis of some of the major issues shaping our world today from thinkers, researchers, and unique political personalities rarely addressed by major media. Our shows are featured on partner radio stations across Canada and the United States and available for streaming or download at the site globalresearch.ca. We acknowledge that this program was produced on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Ininu, Oji, Cree, Dene, and Dakota, the birthplace of the Métis Nation and the heart of the Métis Nation homeland. European settlers gained access to the land and waters of this land using the doctrine of discovery, faulty promises and treaties, and other fraudulent concepts, and eventually enacted colonialism and genocide toward the indigenous peoples present to access the land. The descendants of the settlers should know the origins of their fortunes today and acknowledge their responsibility to reparations to enter into a respectful partnership between our peoples. Now it's time for News Notes, a sampling of articles from the Global Research News site. Listeners should know that some of the articles may run against common messaging about sensitive subjects and are not all endorsed by this radio station. We're coming in and helping rescue the Gazeans, and especially rescue the West Bank, where just as much fighting is taking place. We're going to come in. And that's when the United States will then feel free to move not only against Lebanon, but all the way via Syria, Iraq, to Iran. What we're seeing in Gaza and the West Bank today is only the catalyst, the trigger for the fact that the neocons say we are never going to have a better chance than we have right now to conquer Iran. So this is the point for the showdown. 
that if America is to control Near Eastern oil, and by controlling Near Eastern oil, by bringing it under the U.S. control, it can control the energy imports of much of the world. That comes from a transcribed conversation under the headline video, Why Does the U.S. Support Israel? Michael Hudson and Ben Norton. By Professor Michael Hudson and Ben Norton, posted November 15th, originally published on Geopolitical Economy Report. Cleverly and Blinken both have the same job, and for long-standing allied nations, but their personal mindset and understanding of the conflict in Gaza and the occupied West Bank are different, and perhaps due to childhood lessons learned from parents. Cleverly has the right intent, urging that humanitarian needs be put before military conquests. He has asked for the final solution, which the international community agreed upon decades ago, the two-state solution under the UN resolution parameters. However, noble and just cleverly is personally, he cannot realize any of his goals for the UK because Blinken and US President Joe Biden hold the keys to alleviating the suffering of Palestinians. That comes from the article, Genocide, Colonialism, Apartheid. UK Foreign Secretary James Cleverly places humanitarian issues in Gaza a priority. By Stephen Swahini, posted November 15th, originally published on Mideast Discourse. The supply of cannon fodder is running so low that Ukraine recently updated its conscription law to include women. Women between the ages of 18 and 60 with medical backgrounds must register for military service as of October 1st, 2023. Corruption may be a primary driver of this war. The American public being robbed and Ukraine drained of its youths, while a relatively small number of corrupt individuals stuff their pockets with cash. American and European Taxpayers are paying for the destruction of Ukraine and the elimination of huge numbers of its inhabitants so that technocrat globalists and central bankers can then profit from the privatization and rebuilding of Ukraine into a quote-unquote smart country model for the rest of the world. That comes from the article, Is the Financial Theft of the Ukraine War Over? Quote, Corruption may be a primary driver of this war, unquote. By Dr. Joseph Mercola, posted November 15th, originally published on the Mercola website. Disease X could be Nipah, or even more likely a related paramyxovirus. They could then say the mRNA Nipah vaccine works for disease X as well. They keep saying that COVID-19 and influenza have been, quote, sequenced to death, unquote. But there is still a mystery surrounding paramyxoviruses. SIPI, formed by WEF and Gates Foundation, has a strategy to get new mRNA vaccines out within 100 days. This is what the next pandemic is all about. That comes from the article... Next pandemic propaganda, the quote-unquote big one, Nipah, Ebola, and Marburg, SARS-1, Makupo, 
quote-unquote, vampire virus, disease X, by Dr. William Mackis, posted November 15th, originally published on COVID Intel. These are just a few of the featured articles appearing last week on the Global Research website. Regular visitors to the site are encouraged to send monetary contributions by fax, mail, or online. Just go to globalresearch.ca and click Donate on the menu bar. Covert Action Magazine, which began as a covert action information bulletin as far back as 1978, famous for covering and countering CIA actions around the globe. Among other achievements, Covert Action Magazine has conducted investigation into political assassinations in the United States and their cover-up. So we thought it would be a good idea to have uh, Covert Action Magazine's managing editor, Jeremy Kuzmarov, back on the show to help us understand the facts on the occasion of the 60th anniversary of John F. Kennedy's assassination. Welcome back to the show, Jeremy. It's good to see you again. Thanks for having me again. Following the release of JFK in 1991, that was the film by Oliver Stone, uh, there was more fuel breathed into the fire of getting into the heart of uh, the Kennedy assassination and problem that the film was directed by Oliver Stone and pressure mounted. And then under the 1992 President of President John F. Kennedy Records Collection Act, the U.S. government was supposed to release all documents about the assassination in 2017. And Biden managed to release some of the information, but retained other information, and most of it actually. Um, files, they say, was key to getting at the truth. Could you give us more details about what exactly we we can know about uh, what kind of information was in those files and and why they're being held back from the public? Sure. Well, I mean, obviously they're still hiding something. You know, they they want to protect the uh, Warren Commission narrative that you know Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone assassin. That was the official line for years and years. You know, that was the conclusion of the Warren Commission report. That was set up by Lyndon Johnson after the JFK assassination. But I mean, we know with all the evidence has come to light, we know that that report was false, uh, that Oswald could not have been the lone assassin just based on the forensics. And, you know, the that assumed a magic bullet theory that defied the laws of physics. And now we have, you know, uh, you know, Secret Service agents speaking out after all these years saying there were more bullets, you know, there are extra bullets which points to more shooters. Uh, and in fact, there's you know strong evidence Kennedy was shot from the front and not from the back. We also know Oswald was a very poor sniper. We also know that Oswald, so you know, it would take a, a real expert marksman to actually hit Kennedy from the uh, sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository. We also know uh, from eyewitness testimony that Oswald was seen in the lunchroom on the second floor uh, just two minutes after the assassination, calmly drinking a Coke, and would have taken a lot longer. Uh, you know, had he actually been a shooter, he couldn't have been there two minutes later, calmly. You know, he would have been. Firstly, it take I think longer than two minutes, and he would be all sweaty. You know, I've been running, and, and he wouldn't have time to get a Coke and look calm. So, uh, I mean, it's 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 clear <laughs> that Oswald was set up, and in fact, yeah, they were announcing you know his height and weight. You know, only fourteen minutes 
after the assassination, they already said Oswald was a suspect and insinuated he was guilty. And they were listing his uh, weight and height based. That was actually the wrong weight and height of him. And it was something that had given uh, been given to the government uh, by, uh, I believe, his mother some years earlier. So uh, that would indicate, you know, they uh, he was set up and they immediately fingered him uh, when they had no evidence uh, for that. And they even had the wrong height and weight for him. So, and you know, we're learning more. I think these documents shed a little more. The ones that have been released do shed more insight on Oswald's connection with the intelligence agencies and how he was set up as a patsy. And also, you know, th this legend was created that he was this communist with the Fair Play for Cuba Committee. Uh, and I think it's even been admitted that they uh, there may have been an Oswald imposter in Mexico and that the CIA was placing him at the Cuban embassy and the Soviet embassy to play up this connection. He was allegedly this communist. Uh, but actually, he was, you know, he was part of the Fair Play for Cuba committee in, in uh, New Orleans. But he was the only member of that committee, and he worked out of the office of Guy Bannister, who was a right-wing FBI, CIA, uh, John Birch Society guy. And it, it's clear that with all the evidence that emerged, that he was infiltrated, you know, that this was just a setup to make it look like he was part of the Fair Play for Cuba. And really, he was an infiltrator, um, and, and it was all part of the cover-up to make it seem like the communists had been behind this. Uh, uh, when really it was a CIA operation, I believe, as well as Lyndon Johnson was a key figure behind the assassination. Uh, there's a lot of evidence for that, uh, along with some you know disaffected elements working with disaffected elements of the CIA who uh, hated Kennedy, and Johnson was the big winner, and he was the one who commissioned the Warren Commission to cover it all up. Yeah. Uh, I know, like a, a lot of the information you've disclosed. I mean, it's been present for a long time, uh, but I wonder with the release last year of JFK, Destiny Betrayed by Oliver Stone, uh, could you maybe remind our listeners of some of the new tidbits of information that maybe breathe new fire into activism uh, around getting more facts released? Well, yeah, I'm not sure if there's necessarily that much new in that documentary. I mean, I think it's a summary of a lot of what we do know. Although Stone, I, I think his Achilles heel, I mean, I have great respect for Stone, um, but I think he doesn't uh, examine the role that Lyndon Johnson played in the assassination, which I, th I think the one weakness of his work, because Lyndon Johnson was going to be dropped from the uh, presidential ticket uh, and he was likely going to be brought down in corruption scandals. Um, and uh, that prompted Johnson to act uh, against Kennedy. Uh, and, you know, he was a, Johnson was a, a Machiavellian a figure uh, who was really out, always out for the presidency. And we have admission, you know, Barr McClellan was a lawyer at the law firm uh, the, the, that, that represented Lyndon Johnson. And he said that Ed Clark, the head of the firm, admitted to him, as well as other senior partner, Don Thomas, that they coordinated the assassination and that they were given oil leases in exchange. 
Um, and there's other evidence that has come to light about Johnson's role, as well as some key figures linked with him, like D.H. Byrd, who was the owner of the Texas School Book Depository, and was a big profiteer off the uh, Vietnam War because he owned major stocks in uh, Ling Temco, the major defense contractor. Uh, so I think Byrd, uh, Johnson, you know, Ed Clark, uh, who worked at the law firm that represented Johnson, uh, these are key figures involved in the assassination. And, you know, the Texas oil interests uh, that hated Kennedy because the uh, oil depletion allowance uh, that he was going to cut, you know, tax subsidy that he was planning to cut. And they were also big profiteers off the Vietnam War. And they had invested in Johnson, his political career, and he was their, their cash cow. And he was going to be uh, removed from the ticket because uh, uh, his all his political baggage was starting to come to light. And, you know, Bobby Baker was going down. He was Johnson's right-hand man. And he was uh, implicated in a major corruption scandal, and he was running an illegal sex club for senators, and he was under indictment. And Billy Sol Estes had gone down in Texas, uh, and that also connected Johnson. He was one of uh, Johnson's financial bagmen. Um, and so this was all coming to the surface. And at the time Johnson was, uh, Kennedy was assassinated, Robert Kennedy had leaked uh, dossier to the media and they were interviewing people in Texas and all the skeletons and in Johnson's political closet going back to fraud, voter fraud and the 48th Senate election. These were all coming to light as the Kennedys were going to drop him. So I think Stone uh, doesn't go into that facet. And I think Johnson was connected with CIA operatives in Texas. Like I think David Atlee Phillips was a key figure in the CIA who ran Oswald um, and uh, yeah, so he was one of the key key CIA officers. He was also in Dallas at the time of the assassination. And I think E. Howard Hunt was a CIA agent who was also likely involved in the planning. He admitted to his son that uh, Johnson was involved, that David Atlee Phillips was involved. Another key figure in the CIA was Edward Lansdale. Um, but Phillips is very closely connected to Johnson because he was in he was from Texas, Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I think Stone, you know, has done some important work to puncture the official story about Kennedy and also understand that this was a huge turning point in American political history that led to the nightmare in many ways that we're in today, uh, because Kennedy, you know, projected a much better image for America. And while not a perfect or, or clean leader, he was changing the course of U.S. foreign policy in the Cold War. And he gave a, a brilliant speech at American University calling for peace with the Russians and that we should try and understand the Russian and, you know, wanting to ratchet down the nuclear arms race. Uh, so, you know, his death was a, a turning point and, uh, you know, reversing that possibility. You know, the Vietnam War, of course, was escalated significantly under Lyndon Johnson. And, you know, there was, it set a pattern of assassinations of any leader who was like, you know, Robert Kennedy, who was trying to change things in a better direction with Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. And you have the conservative revolution that came in after the assassination of all the liberal leaders of the 60s. Uh, so yeah, it's a major turning point in world history. And Stone deserves a lot of credit for shedding light on that and the corruption behind that. Of course, you, you do point out that uh, LBJ is uh, somebody I like I in, in covering the story, I never really placed a lot of uh, the uh, our, our uh, 
investigation into his uh, wrongdoings. I mean, he clearly did have the means, motive, and opportunity uh, in, in certain respects. But I mean, given the vast area of evidence fostering doubts about the official story, what would you say is pursued like right now, lately, on, on the 60th anniversary as the weakest link uh, in the chain binding the official story? Is it the autopsy? Is it the controversy surrounding uh, Lee Harvey Oswald or the ballistics of the shooter? What, what do you think? Well, yeah, I think more evidence is coming to light that it's very hard to defend the Warren report anymore. Uh, in, including the recent revelation of the Secret Service agent who pointed to the extra bullets. So that means they're more assassin because there were only two bullets that came from the, I believe, the Texas School Book Depository. Uh, so if there are more bullets, that means there are more shooters. And then you have to look at the angle of the bullets, uh, mean that the theory that there were shooters in the grassy knoll is confirmed by this testimony. And then, yeah, the autopsy, I think uh, there's already there's books written about this and a huge amount of evidence has come to light about the manipulation of that autopsy um, to try and preserve the Warren Commission report story. So at this point, anybody who does any kind of basic investigation or reads some of the major books that have come out will see that the Warren report was very clearly a cover up. And then, yeah, more information has come to light through some of the release of these documents um and research of i know i, I followed uh, jefferson morley as a reporter who's covered the cia in the past and he's been covering the story especially with regards to oswald and his cia connection and he's really painted a clear picture i don't think he's the first researcher uh to do this but he's one who's in the spotlight now doing this kind of research and um you know he's very clearly shown oswald's uh, ties with the CIA and with the FBI and how they created this cover story for him uh, that he was with the Fair Play for Cuba committee and that he was somehow a sympathizer with a Cuban and Soviet defector. That was really a fake story. Uh, as they set him up as the patsy, they wanted to create this impression that the communists were behind this. And that was kind of a, a ploy to revitalize the Cold War that Kennedy was starting to, to ratchet it down. And when Johnson became the president, you know, he escalated the Vietnam War. He adopted a much more aggressive U.S. foreign policy in the Cold War. And it took Nixon, Nixon initiated detente. But then he was brought down in a coup as well. Watergate was really a coup, a topic for another day, was actually has been exposed as a CIA operation uh, to empower the neoconservatives uh, who have taken us into endless wars. Mm. Well, one of the aspects of these sorts of crimes, and I'm, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, is that uh, some of the the, 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 the CIA or, or other forces are, are deliberately feeding bad information to throw detectives off the track. You know, I, I, I think the term for it is a honeypot. Um, I, I'm wondering, could you give us maybe a, an example or two of, of, uh, of honeypots in the JFK assassination investigation? Sure, yeah. And, and I think we're also talking about psychological warfare on the American public, like planting a story that Oswald is this uh, pro-Soviet defector and that this was a communist operation 
uh, cements the in the public mind again the evils of uh, communism uh, and helps uh, breed popular support for ratcheting up the Cold War and huge military budgets uh, that accompany that and domestic repression of uh, opposition groups. Um, as far as the investigation, well, I think the the Dallas police detective Fritz said. Uh, he was under orders, you know, that Oswald, the president, I think, you know, Johnson was the president, basically told them Oswald's guilty. He's a suspect. Don't investigate anything else. And he said later on, you know, the president told me this and I was under orders. What could I do? You know, he would really. So the police, I think, were were hamstrung in what they could actually do that higher, you know, the, the most powerful people in the country were telling them. Uh, how their investigation had to go, and they there was no real investigation that took place. And I think part of the setup was that the, you know, they said that uh, Oswald, after assassinating Kennedy, uh, killed a police officer named J.D. Tippett, but investigators found that Oswald couldn't have been in the spot where Tippett was killed at the time they said he was killed, uh, so I think that was just part of the cover story, but the police again were hamstrung, and there may have been corrupt elements in the police, but uh, I think some were just under orders, and you know they they really had no choice. If, if the president's ordering you, you know, you're a police officer, um, you know if if you start to really probe into what happened, you're going to get killed too. And I mean, a lot of people, uh, I think it's not as well known as to how many people got killed beside JFK, you know, who had some kind of knowledge about the JFK assassination. Like even Oswald's handler, George de Morinchild, was killed. Uh, you know, they claimed he committed suicide, but it was very clearly a murder. A journalist named Dorothy Kilgallen was killed. The wife of Cordon Meyer, and actually E. Howard Hunt, who uh, the CIA agent, who was later implicated in Watergate, he fingered Cord Meyer uh, Jr. as somebody implicated in the plot in the CIA. And his wife, Mary Pinchot Meyer, was killed and murdered. She had been having an affair with JFK, but may have had some knowledge about the assassination and possibly her ex-husband's role. Again, Kilgallen, I'm, I'm just giving some examples of people, a journal, uh, she was like a gossip columnist, Dorothy Kilgallen, but she was going to write an expose about what she knew. So uh, a lot of people got killed uh, who had knowledge uh, or insider knowledge of the uh, conspiracy to kill JFK. So again, the police um, were kind of hamstrung in, in what they could do. So the, I don't think there was really ever a real inv a police investigation. They were just told Oswald's the guy. And uh, that's what Hoover and, and Johnson were telling them to do mm. uh, and say. Yeah, um, yeah, I've only got about a minute left, but uh, I guess maybe you could talk a, a little bit about, you've got a, a fall fundraising campaign for uh, Covert Action Magazine. Could you maybe explain what your goal is uh, in terms of funding and, and how listeners can contribute? Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure the exact goal, but we need <laughs> we're a um, you know reader supported magazine. So I mean, one thing if you look into the JFK assassination, you'll see how the media covered it up from the beginning, and even today, you know, there are many book 
good books written about, you know, or doing serious investigation into what really happened. But these books tend to be on, you know, small presses. They don't get the publicity. And the New York Times and, you know, the major media continue to report uh, on the false uh, narrative of the Warren Commission report. And even some alternative media refuse to uh, address this assassination of others. And that's why I think Covert Action Magazine is an important magazine, as well as Global Research, uh, where we want to get the truth. And so we need support from readers. Uh, uh, so any money you can give to help us out, you know, uh, you can subscribe to the magazine for, for $25 a year, and you'll get a, a newsletter every week or every other week. Uh, and that helps sustain us. Or yeah, if you can give a donation, if you're just a student uh, and you're struggling to get by, even if just give us five or ten dollars, uh, every little bit of help. Because if every reader gave you know ten dollars, uh, we'd be doing quite well. Uh, because yeah, you know, and the online journalism is a bit difficult. Um, you know, we don't want to have to charge our uh, readers for every article. But if you can contribute just a small amount, that keeps us going. It's been a great pleasure. Go to our website and you'll see where you can donate or subscribe. Okay. And that is covertactionmagazine.com. Um, it's been a great pleasure speaking to you again, Jeremy. Uh, I look forward to, to more of your great work and uh, at CAM. And, and thanks for joining us. My pleasure. We've been speaking to Jerry Kuzmarov. He is managing editor of Covert Action Magazine. You're listening to the Global Research News Hour, broadcasting from CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg and from partnering radio stations across Canada and the United States. As you just heard from our last interview, the version of the conspiracy surrounding JFK's death, as encapsulated in the 1991 movie JFK, omits the role of Vice President Lyndon Johnson in the murder of his colleague. And as we're about to hear, there is a very plausible case implicating Johnson as being active and possibly the mastermind behind the plot. We've had several episodes highlighting the fact that Lee Harvey Oswald could not have been the lone gunman and about the way the Warren Commission was conceived to hide the true perpetrators from public view. We have also highlighted how the CIA and intelligence operatives had a hand in the affair. But to my recollection, the vice president uh, Lyndon Johnson as a perpetrator and, and even the mastermind was never in clear view until now. My next guest, Philip F. Nelson, started investigating the Kennedy assassination back in 2003 and, and, and released his conclusion in 2010 with the title LBJ, the mastermind of JK, JFK's assassination. We'll spend some time going over the details in this interview and, and bring us up to the present in terms of getting more clarity on the state of uh, the uh, JFK assassination investigation 60 years after the incident. Philip Nelson, welcome to the Global Research News Hour. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be with you. I see you grew up in Indiana and, and studied at the University of Wisconsin and uh, served in the Peace Corps in uh, Brazil in the late 1960s. I, I was wondering what prompted your interest in investigating JFK as intensively as you did and what led you to suspect LBJ as the culprit? Okay, I, I think that I've always had some doubts about 
Johnson as as being in uh, having been involved at least in the early years when when I desperately wanted to believe the uh, the Warren Commission and and what it what it uh, published published back in 1964 in October of 64. Uh, however, by 65 and 66, I, I I started understanding more and more about this fellow Lyndon Johnson than than I, I think any of my colleagues, my friends and associates back in those days, they didn't see this, but I, I, I had seen it as early as February of 1961. That, that was two, years, two and a half years before the assassination. Because what, within one month of, of the inauguration, the inauguration was January the 20th of 1961. On February the 20th, of 1961, one month, one month later, there was an airplane crash. It was on LBJ's ranch. And and the only reason I knew about it is because it was announced over the high school PA system. And, and I was still in high school and, and, uh, and I heard that. Um, well, actually in 1961, I was just a sophomore or whatever it was. And um, anyway, I, I heard the announcement about this airplane crash on LBJ's ranch and it was quickly followed up with a statement that don't worry, the vice president is fine. But I, I worried because there's something very strange going on there. You mean the, the the vice president of the United States has a big ranch in Texas and he's got a he's got an airstrip, you know, a landing strip on his ranch, capable apparently of of uh, handling rather large airplanes. Not not currently, uh, you know. Or a seven or seven back in those days, but it, but it could handle any kind of a prop airplane and even a, a corporate jet, like a Jetstar, which he had also parked in in a hangar right there on the ranch. He had personal use of a Jetstar airplane. It was a, it was like a sort of like a G five or a G four, whatever they are now, uh, or a uh, Learjet, but it had four engines, two mounted on each side of the fuselage in the back. And and uh, but it was and so it was a very expensive airplane. It had four engines, and that meant that it could do anything a, a you know a jet jet or a, a Gulfstream or Learjet could do, including landing on his own ranch. However, this this uh, this airplane crash just kind of went away. I mean, after a, a, um, a weekend or so of being in the news, then I found out I find out later. That 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 did not happen to, as as he told it, and his statement and what everyone was led to believe was that it happened on a Sunday evening, and on Monday the twentieth, it was announced in in that in that manner that it was it was just last evening, and here it is Monday the twentieth of of um, February, and I find out later that the action act actually happened on the seventeenth. Hmm. The Friday, the Friday evening before, two, two days before that. So, so I knew it was very strange from the start for for both of those reasons. The fact that he had this air airstrip already on his on his property one month after the inauguration, and he but he was a master of the Senate before that, of course, and so he had all this done some years before. Yeah, just just as a senator, he was able to somehow get the government to build a uh, landing strip on his uh, on his ranch wow so all this strangeness was going on and i thought there, there's something wrong with this picture 
Mm. And as it developed, when I when I first of all when I found out that the accident was three days before, not one day, then that that just changed everything. Mm. So in 1964, the the real story came out, or parts of the real story came out in a book called A Texan Looks at Linden. It's a little paperback, and it's only 250 pages. But the last four or five pages of that book cover this story like, you know, it was that, like it should have been. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the beginning but because it, he, he had the power to just wash away this stuff all, all through his life he, he washed away this and that and he, and he denied this and that and he, whatever he would say 99 times out of 100 he was it was a lie yeah and, and that i was just conditioned to see this I, I, don't, I don't know why but i noticed all this stuff and i knew that there was something wrong with this guy from, from 1961 yeah well that you you basically uh, in the book you you showed all the the rather malevolent aspects of of uh, LBJ's character from childhood. I mean, he was a bully. Uh, he grew up in Texas, and I think Robert Carroll, who you've uh, cited in the book, uh, he wrote I think three biographies of him detailing this information about his ability to master the art of manipulating people. He was condescending to his inferiors and obsequious to people in power. And he worked his way up by, uh, I guess, flattering people, flattering his dean uh, when he went to college and got rewarded with favors. And he also wanted to be president, like since from a young, young age and, and would entertain, uh, you know, foul play to get there. I mean, I, I was wondering just, just to give us a, a if you could, a, a brief glimpse of how this guy had it in him to get to be vice president and then cross his running mate jfk well yeah that's a, that's a great way to portray that because it is, is so true that he he there was something about him i believe that was an essential evil that even his grandmother even even his grandmother i, I on his um on his mother's side it was his father no it was father's ruth baines his grandmother predicted that one day that boy he was only five or six years old when she said this, when she started saying this, she said it more than once. That boy is going to be wind up in prison. And so even his own grandmother saw it way, way before most other people. And even Robert Carroll, you mentioned Robert Carroll. I, I've written in my blog, I, I wrote a, I write a blog called um, LBJ, the master of deceit. And a lot of the information that I've uh, written I've written 150 um, blogs on there covering all kinds of things, including a very detailed piece about that airplane crash, by the way. And by the way, that that is the number one item that I would add, I would put on the list that Robert Caro ignored completely. You will not find a word about that airplane crash in any of Robert Caro's four books. And furthermore, you will not find the name Billy Saul Estes in any of Robert Caro's books. He's written four books, a total of about 4,000 pages. They're almost 1,000. They're average 1,000 pages each. 4,000 pages and not a word about either one of them. And also not a word about other people that that he, that he Caro decided should not be referenced in his writings. And so you will find nothing in there about even Barefoot Sanders. And he was a, he was a federal judge that mm-hmm. that Johnson appointed. You may find a word or two about some things 
I, I'm not. I'm not sure that even though, even though you might find a, a word uh, about Cliff Carter, it has nothing to do with what Cliff Carter was all about and what his role was. He, he was basically Johnson's uh, highest level associate that that had control over all the dirty jobs, the wet jobs, the murders, the, all everything that went on on the dirty side of life. That's what Cliff Carter was there, was there, and that was, and he, he was the one who managed Mac Wallace. Mac Wallace was Johnson's hitman, and that's that's been documented so so thoroughly. I I, I don't understand how anybody could possibly even try to rebut that. Although mm. Joan Mellon did, and she even tried to vindicate him from from the assassin being being involved in the assassination. She tried to even portray Mac Wallace, this this guy who was a stone cold killer, a sociopath of the first order, a narcissist, a, a complete psychopath. She, she tried to reinvent him and portray him as, oh, he was he was just a rather um, introverted fellow, a very intelligent, brilliant mind, blah blah blah, and had nothing to do. Well, he was convicted of murder of by by a jury in Austin, Texas, nineteen fifty one for the for the murder of. A golf pro down there who Johnson decided had to had to go because he was he was being being involved become he had become involved with his sister Lennon's sister Josepha and and that really upset Johnson because uh, he he thought that something would come out of that that would embarrass him and cost him his political career or whatever so he decided the only way out of this was to have this this fellow uh, Doug Kenser was his name the golf pro, this little pitch and putt golf course, to have him murdered. And so he he went through Cliff Carter. Cliff Carter got got Mac Wallace to, to go down there and, and murder the golf court, the golf pro, and that's exactly what he did. And it was witnessed by five or so, six uh, witnesses right there in, on the golf course who, who saw him, who, who heard the gunshots, five gunshots inside the clubhouse, and then this guy walks out and runs or whatever. He gets out to his car and he drives off. And he had he had a, a, a 1939 Pontiac, uh, I think it was colored blue, and it had Virginia plates on it. So it was a sort of an unusual car in Austin, Texas. And they didn't have any trouble within a half hour, or so they had him under arrest. Mm. Running and, and, and went through and 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 he was he was found guilty of murder. Of, of it was called. Um, with malice aforethought, that meant first-degree murder. And guess what the, the jury recommended? Five years of mm. a suspe and suspended sentence. Well, the, the judge suspended the sentence, but it was only and it was only five years. Mm. It was nothing. And, and in other words, he was immediately released. He was on parole for five years. That that was his punishment. And at the end of five years, on that very anniversary, he was back in the courthouse. Requesting that it be expunged from his record, which they, which it was, so he was almost like declared innocent, even though he was guilty as hell, and everybody knew that. But but the prosecutor, the prosecutor, and and the defense attorneys, they were all in bed together trying to, because Johnson had some something on all of them. Yeah, enough enough that that they that this was the result. It's all Could described you... in the book, of course, but. So, so I'm, I'm giving you a very yeah short you know, description of that. Yeah, 
Uh, I was wondering, though, could you maybe just bring it forward a, a little bit to 1959? I mean, because LBJ was not Kennedy's first choice to be vice president. How, how did the the boy who would be president get uh, Kennedy to to reconsider him? Well, he did it with uh, help from his friend Jagger Hoover, mm. who, who provided all kinds of of uh, dirt on whoever he he wanted to get the dirt on. Uh, and and he 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 had found out that that um, basically through through the FBI uh, going going into the uh, psychiatric offices of his of a psychiatrist up in New Jersey, that they, they, they discovered uh, evidence that that he had part of excuse me Atkins what's it Atkins disease um, Addison disease pardon me. And and that he would be he would be dead in a few years, according to that was his understanding, I guess. But anyway, so he he, uh, he presented this along with a, a lot of details and some photos. Evidently, I wasn't there, of course. There were only a couple people in the room, but it was it was basically uh, Johnson called on him that night and basically threatened him that if if he wasn't nominated. That he would get no no cooperation in the Senate because he was still going to be in the Senate no matter what, and so he damn well better put him on the on the ticket. He he basically threatened him, you know, beyond that to to uh, to get himself on the ticket. And even though he was going around for the weeks proclaiming that no way would he accept it, he just expected to be at least have the courtesy of of being asked you know, to. Uh, to, to take that office, the vice president, it was not something that anyone ever ran for ever before. But that's the only way that he had decided that's the only way he would ever get into the Oval Office is through the back door. And so he had the Texas law changed to allow him to run for the, the on the national ticket as the vice president or the president. But, you know, he was really after the vice presidency, mm. as well as rerunning for his Senate office on the state ticket. And so they changed the law to allow him to do that. So that me means that he in he started out in 1958. So that was five years before. And mm -hmm. it was all part of his cunning plan to somehow get himself into the position of being the vice president when when Kennedy did die. And then the, the only thing left was making sure that that would happen. And now when I say mastermind, I don't mean that he calculated and 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 came up with the whole plan. That is absurd, and that is not the dictionary definition of a mastermind. If you want to have that, then if, if you go back to the, the dictionary de definition, it's essentially that anyone who has the the original grain of an idea, as long as they could sell to some others and collaborate and, and get it done through others. He was a mastermind. Yeah, and that I believe is what he did from the day that he was sworn in. He 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 plotted and connived his way uh, throughout JFK's presidency. He was always up to doing this stuff, trying to elbow people this way and that way, and 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 make sure that everything that he needed to be put in place got put in place. Mm. And that was just part of it. Now here here he was in his place. Now he he would be. 
I, I think you, you say that the, he, he basically uh, tried to connect with people like Alan Dulles and Bill Harvey and the CIA uh, and Angleton, of course, James Angleton. He, he he wanted to make sure that he was in favor with them and and in the same mentality, the same mode, and it played out perfectly well because uh, well for in, from his perspective, right? mm. yeah. because uh, it all started with the Bay of Pigs. Within three months, they had their first real test, and it it was a it was a fiasco. All right, yeah. But President Kennedy tried tried his best all through his presidency to to be uh, d deliberate and, and you know, um, try to, to to achieve peace. If, if there's a way to, to go towards the, the peaceful avenue, that's where he was headed. And so mm -hmm. he did cut back on um, you know, the Bay of Pigs in, in some ways because he knew that sending 16 airplanes down there, they would automatic, that, was, that would be automatic proof that it was a U.S., um, mm. invasion and and so so he cut it back to eight airplanes and and he made other changes to the uh, landing side he didn't he, he wanted to have a less populated area uh, because he didn't he wanted he didn't want to put the Cuban people in jeopardy uh, in the middle of this invasion so to speak so they they selected this thing called Bay of pigs uh, and it, it was not suited for an invasion. That someone dropped the ball on that. And the CIA should have warned him. We can't put ships in there. The place is full of reef and and, uh, and rock rocky uh, uh, beaches. Uh, you know we, we can't we can't really use that. And, it, and sure enough, it didn't work out for all those reasons. In fact, one of the ships ran aground in there. Yeah. Um, and anyway, the the point is here, what, he he was trying to minimize, in, in some way that you know that the the Bay of Pigs um, operation, because he had he had talked himself into it, and through the debates and the political, uh, just before the election, because he was trying to to press Nixon on on why they they left this Castro fellow. Uh, uh, you know, and, and, uh, who's now a known communist? Why, why are we allowing that? And all that, you know, mm -hmm. it was a, it was a debate. It was an issue of the debate scheme. Yeah. Well, he was pressing so hard, he sort of committed himself to do doing something about mm. Cuba. Um, so anyway, I'm not sure if I answered your question thoroughly. Yeah, well, it's it's really it's really quite interesting, and I know that since 2011, uh, you've written four books. Uh, well, including yeah. 2011, pointing to LBJ's guilt, uh, including his later years in office, and and one on the assassination of Martin Luther King. But what what do you find stands out today as as the 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 most critical evidence of of a concentrated cover up of the investigation? Do you think? Oh, it's just breaking out everywhere, isn't it? Uh, these days, the the, um, the one one of one of the best pieces is uh, is how Abraham uh, Bolden, who was a Secret Service agent, a black Secret Service agent who JFK actually got assigned to that duty. Uh, while he was on that duty uh, th throughout JFK's presidency, 
he, he was on the presidential detail because JFK wanted anyone there. He liked the guy and whatever. And so, but but he was so mistreated by other Secret Service uh, agents and supervisors that that he he went to complain to the uh, I guess it was Riley, the head of the Secret Service, about all that. And guess what? That guy that that got him into a cover of a of his own. But it was uh, it, he, he was basically oh oh, oh led in, into a situation where where they they had set set him up as, as though he had he had he had given a top secret information out to to some journalist or something like that when he didn't but they had the judge and the jury all set up for that one too and and so they found abraham uh bolden guilty of of some illegal behavior and threw him in prison and he spent time in prison i can't remember exactly how much but it was five or ten years or something it was a long it was a long time and, and before he finally got out now he's out he's written a book Oh, 20 years ago, or something like that. Uh, Echo from Dealey Plaza, which explains all of the, the stuff that he he was exposed to, all of the the criminal behavior that that was visited upon him, in order to to discredit him, so that the people would not believe him. But they made all this stuff up, and it's all falling apart now. And and now he he even came forth just uh, in April of this year, and and basically added to what he had put in the book. He, 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 there was a whole new thing that, that he brought forth just a couple of months ago. And it was it was basic about how he witnessed LBJ coming into the White House, the West Wing of the White House, just furious, screaming and, you know, as he went in the, the, into the Oval Office. In the Oval Office, there was JFK and Robert Kennedy sitting in there waiting for him and they, they they expected him because I guess he called before or something like that. But anyway, as he was walking through the outer office and into the Oval Office, he was he was already yelling at them things like, "What are you trying to do? Uh, get, send me to prison over over some uh, over some um, business dealing with this guy Billy or whatever whatever it was." But he he was he was being confronted by the fact that. He and Billy Celestes have been in, in league together to to pull off all kinds of financial tens of millions of dollars were 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 made by Billy Celestes and paid to Lyndon Johnson over a five or six year period, and and they were finding out all about it. And he was he was very pissed that they were on his case. Here, so that was the number one thing, Abraham Bolden whose word ought to be as good as gold to anyone. He's a very honorable man. And he he was he was very much oh just tortured, basically. How, how do you send somebody like that, a good guy, off to prison, knowingly, knowing that he did not do what he was purported to have done. <clears throat> and and anyway, it's it's something that even Johnson himself worried about because yeah. he, he he asked somebody later who was that black guy uh, in there and mm -hmm. and so the, this third person and I can't remember who it was said you know his told him well well that's Abraham 
uh, Bolden. He's a Secret Service agent. Well, from then on, he, he knew that this Johnson would be out to get him. Okay, so, Philip, you've only got a, a minute left, but I, I was wondering if you just add any thoughts you might have about the direction that researchers should be taking uh, action as, as the 60th anniversary of JFK's assassination approaches in a week's time. Well, I, I think they want, if they want to get at the truth, they have to finally realize that, that nothing that ever came out of the Warren Commission should be considered as, as truth. They had a few truths, some true facts in it, but they need to read the real story as portrayed, not just in my, my four books and my blogs, by the way, but other other books that 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 are done by by real truth seekers, and and there are a lot of them out there, and I, I don't even know where to start. But but Abraham Bolton is one, of course, and uh, Jim Fetzer, and, and uh, oh, uh, it, the, the book by um, uh, James Douglas. Um, I don't know. There, there, there are a lot of good books that, that do aim to um, come to the truth. And, and in fact, I'm working on my fifth book now. So I'm calling it Whoa. the Magnum Opus. And it's it's something I'm co-authoring with with another author. Uh, and and his, his his name is Casper De, Deline, D-E-L-I-N-E, Deline. And the name of this book uh, so far, the tentative name, is the massive lie, and that book will examine a, a much broader context. So LBJ is just one of many operators, okay? Mm, How, okay. Uh, and and so he, he's he's going to be in there with with all of the other people, and there are names that you've never even heard of that 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 were deeply involved in, in this. And okay. um, but but some you have heard of is Alan Dahl. Okay, basically. A, a key, but he was not calling the shots. Okay, it's it's been Johnson a, was calling the shots. Yeah, I uh, I've got to go now, but it's been a great honor to talk to you, uh, Philip. But, but perhaps at a later date, we could discuss your your work on uh, Johnson's later years and including this uh, latest uh, work that you're talking about. Um, but thanks a lot, and and all the best to you. Well, thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. Philip F. Nelson is a Kennedy assassination researcher and author of the book JLBJ, The Mastermind of JFK's Assassination. That's it for our show. Join us next week for part two of this special series on the JFK assassination. You're listening to the Global Research News Hour, a program funded by the Center for Research on Globalization and produced in collaboration with campus community radio station CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe, Ininu, Ojikri, Dene, and Dakota, the birthplace of the Métis Nation and the heart of the Métis Nation homeland. The show airs on partner radio stations across Canada and the United States and is available for streaming or download at the site globalresearch.ca. To leave feedback on this program, please email globalresearchnewshour at gmail.com. I've been your host, Michael Welch. Thanks once again for joining us.